0: my favorite authors. His name is J.R.R. Tolkien, and uh, you may be familiar with him uh, because he wrote the famous trilogy called The Lord of the Rings. I discovered it when I was about 10 years old, and I remember spending a whole summer reading through those books, and it kind of created in me a love of literature and of reading uh, that is still there to this day. I still love to read. Uh, But actually, it's not my favorite thing that Tolkien wrote, that trilogy. My favorite thing he wrote is a short story he wrote for the Dublin Review in the 1940s called Leaf by Niggle. Now, the story is about a man who was a painter. And in the first couple sentences of the story, we're told two things about him. First of all, we're told his name is Niggle. And, uh, by the way, the word niggle, if you look in the Oxford Dictionary, which, by the way, Tolkien helped edit, uh, if you look, the, the, the name niggle means to kind of work fastidi- fastidiously at something and not really get very much done at all. Okay? Uh, that's that, and we're, so we're told his name is niggle. Uh, and then the second thing we're told about him is that he was supposed to go and he knew he was going to go on a long journey. Now again, in the literature of Tolkien's day, going on a long journey was kind of a symbol for death. So in other words, we're reminded right at the beginning of the story that eventually, Nigel is going to die. Now, as we read the story, what we learn about Nigel is he has this beautiful dream. This dream of painting this amazing picture. In fact, he's put a huge canvas in his house, uh, and and he has this picture in his mind of this amazing tree uh, in incredible detail. He can see it in his mind's eye, and and it's his life's work, his desire to paint this beautiful tree. But the problem is he never really gets very much done on it. And, uh, And this is for two reasons. First of all, Tolkien tells us that Niggle is the kind of painter that is better at painting leaves than trees. He, he can spend hours and hours and hours obsessing over one little leaf just the, to get the exact shape right and get the, the way the sun would reflect off it perfect. He can, he can literally spend days on a single leaf. But the other reason we're told that he really never gets much done on his life's work is, uh, is because like all the rest of us, life just happens. He finds himself with a neighbor that constantly needs his help. He has his own chores and work to do. Sometimes he's just too tired to paint. And nothing really gets done on his work. Well, one day, Niggle senses that his long journey is about to begin. And he kind of furiously gets to work to try to get something accomplished on his life's work, this grand painting, only to find that the doorbell rings and there is the man to take him on his journey. And with tears in his eyes, Nigel exclaims, but it's not done. My tree's not done. And he leaves. Now, in the years that follow, people find the unfinished canvas in the house. And, uh, and they realize that of the whole canvas, the only thing worth saving is one little perfectly painted leaf. And so they frame it and they put it in the local art museum where it sits back in a corner and it too is quickly forgotten, just like Niggle. But Niggle's story isn't over. We find Niggle on a train headed off to the heavenly mountains where he's going to spend eternity. And as he arrives at his heavenly destination, he gets out of the train, and he looks, and there is his tree in all its beauty, just as he imagined it would be. And uh, and he stands before the tree, and, and once again, he has tears in his eyes, but this time, they're tears of joy, and he just points and exclaims, and he says, it was real all the time. It's all real. Tolkien put it this way, he said, The world before death, his old world, had forgotten Niggle almost completely. But in his new country, the permanently real world, he finds that his tree in full detail and finished was not just a fancy of his that died with him. No, it was indeed part of the true reality that would live and be enjoyed forever. Tolkien in this story captures a, a truth of scripture, folks. Because you see, in, in part, we are all niggle. We, we all have great dreams about what we would love to accomplish in our lives. Uh, we, we, we all believe that our lives have meaning and purpose and that our work Our work accomplishes things that that can last forever, but, but all too often we find ourselves either too busy or too tired, or we just find that our work never ends up being what we hoped it would be. But God's promise is that our work is not in vain. Paul wrote these words. He said, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. God promises us that no matter what our work is that we do, that work is part of a larger work, a bigger work that God is doing in this universe, and and a work that will indeed last forever. We are part of something much bigger than ourselves, and our work in the Lord has meaning and purpose. Now, now, that, that's true no matter what it is you do for your work, whether you work outside the home or inside the home. You may even say, well, wait a minute, I don't work anymore, I'm retired. Well, baloney. Because you know that there's only one person that ever talks about retiring in the Bible, right? Jesus told a story about a man who had such bountiful crops that he filled his barns full. And remember what he said? He said, I've got enough to last me for the rest of my life. I could just kick back and relax. In other words, he said, I can retire. And you know what God called him? A fool. See, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. You have work to do, and it may not be the career that you worked at earlier in your life, but no matter who you are, you have work to do. And God's promises that in the Lord, that work is not in vain. And that's what we're studying through this month of September. We're looking at our work and seeing how our work is indeed connected to God's work. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, wait a minute. Wasn't work kind of a punishment for sin in the very beginning? No. Last week, uh, Pastor Nick helped us see that work was originally a part of God's plan. Even before sin entered into this world, work was something that God invited us to do as co-workers with him. And we looked last week about how but before sin happened, it says that God put uh, Adam and Eve in that garden and he gave them work to do, to work it and to preserve it, to represent God to his creation, to be part of God's creative and sustaining work in this world. But something happened, right? And, uh, and somewhere along the way, something changed and we find out all too often our work isn't the grand noble thing I was just describing. In fact, it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's a struggle. Well, what happened? Well, we heard in our reading just a little bit earlier today, Adam and Eve are, are placed in this garden to work it and to preserve it, to be part of God's creative work and redeeming and, and uh, sustaining work in this world, but they're also given a choice. They could choose to follow God's plan or their own plan, and they decide to follow their own plan. They eat of the tree that God told them not to eat of. And as a result, sin and death enter into this world. Do you remember what happens? God shows up for his daily walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And, uh, and as he arrives, they've hidden themselves because they know what they've done is wrong. They're afraid for the first time ever. They're afraid of their creator. And God calls them and, and, and he stands before them and he tells them, the result, the, the consequence of the sin that they've committed. And as a part of that consequence, God looks at Adam and he says to Adam this, Adam, you're going to still work, but it's going to be different. He said, cursed is the ground because of you. He says, In pain you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field, and by the sweat of your face you will eat your bread. In other words, God says, Your work, you're still gonna have to work, but it's gonna be much harder, and it's gonna accomplish much less than it would have accomplished otherwise. And, and you are going to see that work will be frustrating, and, and it will be pointless, and it will be selfish, and it will be a problem now because of the sin that you have brought into this world. And we find that to be true, don't we? I, I, I love the three words that we've been using to describe work now. We talked about how work, first of all, is fruitless. You know, you feel like you can work for hours and hours and hours, and and, and then you wonder if you've really accomplished anything at all. We we talk about how sometimes work seems pointless. It just seems like you're not even sure why you're doing the work that you're doing, because you, you do all this work, and it just seems like you're back where you started from in the first place. Maybe worst of all, work can be selfish. We end up turning our work into a way of meeting our own needs instead of serving our neighbor. We turn our work into, into something we do purely for our own achievement instead of as a part of God's work in this world. In, uh, in, 19, in the 1985-86 season, Michael Jordan, uh, early in the season, broke his foot. You know, The great star player for the Bulls all of a sudden was sidelined, and they said he would be sidelined for the rest of the season. He was going to miss uh, the whole rest of the season, but Jordan worked hard. He he worked hard at his rehab. It, he was determined. He was going to make it back before the end of the season. He was going to save that season, and he did. And sure enough, by the end of March, he was playing basketball again. And and just practically by throwing the team on his shoulders, he he got them into the playoffs. And the first round of the playoffs, they played uh, the number one seed, the Boston Celtics. And with their great star, Larry Bird. And, and, and in, the, in the second game in that series, Jordan took 41 shots, none of them three-pointers, by the way, all two-point shots, 41 shots, and, and he ended up with, with six rebounds and five assists and three blocked shots and two steals and 63 points, the most anyone has ever scored in a playoff game, 63 points. After the game, Larry Bird, star of the Celtics, said, I don't think that was Michael Jordan. He said, I think that was God in a Michael Jordan costume we played tonight. (laughs) And the Bulls lost the game, by the way. 135 to 131 in double overtime. They lost, and they got eliminated from the playoffs, and all Jordan's work was for nothing. Did you ever feel that way? I know I have. Sometimes it feels like you work so hard and you give your absolute best, and and maybe for a little bit you feel like you're really accomplishing something, and then all of a sudden, you feel like nothing changed. And your work is in vain. And that's because of sin. And sometimes, let's be honest, that's because of me. You know, what Adam and Eve discovered when they sinned was they discovered themselves instead of being fully focused on the God that had created them and the other people that God had given them, they became firmly focused on themselves and their own needs and their own struggles. And that's why all of a sudden they realized they were naked. Hadn't even occurred to them before. And sometimes we need to acknowledge the fact that, sure, we, we, we work in a world that is a struggle and is broken, and sometimes our labor seems in vain because of things totally out of our control. But all too often, the reason our work doesn't... Seem fulfilling. The reason our work uh, seems like we accomplish nothing is because of ourselves. We go to work for the wrong reasons. We go to, to work to make money for ourselves. You know, we're working for the weekend. We, uh, we do whatever job we can do uh, that, that's the easiest, that's the simple way. Or, or we work, and we work just for stuff and for accomplishment and, and, uh, and to, to get our own name advanced for the fame and for the, for the success that the world judges. Work is a shadow of what God created it to be. But here's an amazing thing. Jesus came to do something about that. Do you remember the story? It's right after Jesus' baptism. And it says he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And while he's out in that wilderness, do you remember what happens? Satan comes to him and and gives him three temptations. Do you remember what they were? One one of the temptations was Satan takes him to the top of the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, throw yourself down. Just jump. God's not going to let you die. God's not going to let anything bad happen to you. The angels will come and they'll take care of you. Do you remember the, one of the other temptations? He says to, he takes Jesus up so he can see the whole world. He says, I tell you what, Jesus, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give you the whole world. You, you can have it. You've come to redeem the world. Well, I'll just give it to you. I won't fight you. Just worship me, and Jesus won't do it. But do you remember the third temptation? He, he, he points to some stones, and remember, Jesus has been fasting in the wilderness for days. He points to some stones, and he says, hey, just turn those stones into bread. And eat now now think about it for a second I understand why the first two temptations are bad you know worship Satan you know just throw yourself off the temple and tempt God and see what happens it, those those are bad things I, I get it but what would have been so wrong with Jesus simply giving giving himself something to eat it doesn't seem like that big a deal does it But Jesus reacts very strongly. He says, No way. So, what is going on there? Well, do you remember part of that curse for sin to Adam in the garden? He he said, You're going to have to work hard for your food, and it's going to be by the sweat of your brow that you make your bread. And now Satan's tempting Jesus to say, you don't have to do that. You don't don't have to fall under that curse. You don't have to work hard to create your food. Your work can be fulfilling. You can just snap your fingers and get your work done. You don't have to fall under that same curse for sin that Adam and Eve fell under, and and Jesus won't do it. Because Jesus came to, to place himself under that curse of sin. Even though he never sinned, he came to take our place under that curse of sin. Now, now, think about it for a minute. Jesus experienced the same frustration with his work that you do with yours. I mean, one of Jesus' big job when he was here was to put together this group of 12 disciples and to teach them and prepare them uh, for the work that they were going to do for him after he ascended into heaven. He spent three years on that work, just diligently working with those disciples, and, and, and it was really fulfilling, right? And the disciples always understood everything Jesus taught them, and they were always ready to do exactly what he said, right? no. I love on this one occasion, uh, Jesus has been trying to teach them some things, and uh, it says this, later after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered that they had forgotten to bring any bread. They didn't bring any food with them. And Jesus says to them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And of course, he's talking uh, spiritually here. But look at what it says. At this, they begin to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. They think he's talking about the fact that they didn't bring any bread. And look at what Jesus says to them. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, You have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you even understand yet? He said, Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and baskets of leftovers you picked up or the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves and large baskets of leftovers you picked. up. Why can't you understand I'm not talking about bread? I don't know. Maybe Jesus said it a little differently than that. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but, but Jesus is going, oh, my gosh. You guys are really worried about not bringing bread? Did, did you see what I've done? I, I, we're going to eat, guys. It's not a problem. Jesus was just as frustrated with his work sometimes as you and I are. He took his place beside us as sinners, even though he never sinned, even though he never made his work about himself. But he did that for you and for me. And then do you remember what he said on the cross? Remember what his last words were? It's finished. Finally, he said, now my work is done. My work of redeeming your work is complete, Jesus said. Folks, because of what Jesus did for us, our work can have meaning again. Because Jesus has paid the price for your sin and mine, because he took our selfishness upon him, because Jesus has done that our work that curse of sin that was pronounced in the garden it doesn't apply to us anymore oh yes we still we still feel the 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 consequences of it at least we will till we're in heaven but but the fact is now because of what Jesus has done our labors as Paul said are not in vain and whether whether that's the little tasks you do every day we can find joy And and purpose and meaning in that work because we know we are working as a part of what God is doing in this world. And someday we will see that. Someday in heaven, we will be able to look back and see all the lives that our work touched We'll be able to look back and see how God used our work to preserve his creation and to, to, to make a difference in people's lives. Someday in heaven, we will see how all of what we have done fits into what God has done and continues to do in this universe. And that work will last forever. So here's the challenge for you. Tomorrow morning, when you get up to go to work, see your work for what it really is. God's work. See every day as a new opportunity to do your best to whatever it is God has put before you. And in so doing, give glory to your Father in heaven. Give praise to Jesus who gave his life for you. And be part of God's work in this world. Amen.